the wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Hello and welcome. This is The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast three nerdy friends talking about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is season one, episode five, White Cloaks Are the Worst. I'm Justin. I'm Michelle. And I'm Steven. Stick around with us as we discuss chapters 14 through 18 of The Eye of the World. Okay, guys, how are y'all doing tonight? I'm cold. I, I'm so <laughs> guys. We're all we're all southern people. Am I the only one who's cold here? Uh, probably because it's not it's not quite cold here yet, but it will be tomorrow. Oh man, I haven't been in my actual house for like a week now, and I came in and it was 51 degrees in here, which probably sounds warm to a lot of people. But even my dogs were like disturbed. I, like oh, we were all freezing you know, here. F- Fifty-one degrees is cold in your house. Thank talk, you. Talk to me later after you've worked outside all day in twenty-degree weather. I know, I know. <laughs> I heard that you slipped on ice. Oh, and I was uh, like, you know what? Thank goodness for Georgia because we 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 all freaked out, but we got nothing but rain and then sunshine. It was spring yesterday. Yeah, I, I made a doofus of myself and slipped on the sidewalk five feet outside of my front door. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, 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 no, you know what? I gave you like a three seconds, a moment of silence. I was like, you know what? Let's all think of Stephen. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it could be Stephen. <laughs> uh, I'm glad, we're glad you're okay, buddy. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, More ha- my pride than anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, how about we warm up by the fire of the stagging lines? That sound good to you guys? Oh, there we go. So what are we oh, talking? Yes. What, what chapters are we talking about this week? Uh, so tonight we are going to be looking at chapters fourteen through eighteen. Uh, we pick up with our party finding refuge in the big city, uh, being hunted by odd visions and strange nightmares. Our boys reunite with an old friend and one they thought lost uh, before making a daring night escape, pursued by the shadow and his minions. Yeah, there should definitely be air quotes around big city, don't you think? Oh, (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) And I think that is a great way to lead into our first point. So these small town country bumpkins coming into the the big city for the first time. I had Uh, to like I had I was trying to be like the townspeople. I'm like, what are they seeing here? Like they really are like they, they every everyone always pauses when they look at them. I'm like, is it because they're dirty or do they really look that country? But, uh, you know, I, I kind of think about it, you know, when, when there's someone around who's not used to the environment, you can kind of tell. Right. I mean, you, you kind of know that they're not from here. Uh, they're, they're in, you know, out of their element, so to speak. Outsiders. Yeah, you know, it reminded me of I don't know if you guys ever read this book in elementary school. It's called Where the Red Fern Grows. Mm-hmm. You, yep. Have you read that book? Uh, like yes. when when he, uh, when he went into town to get his dogs and how he was barefoot with his overalls and everyone just made fun of him. I just yeah. kept on picturing him in my mind, like, oh man, yeah. <laughs> well, same thing. In, in my mind, I do see that there probably is a difference in how they're dressed as well because you think, yeah, this is a city. It's obviously not, you know, Tom makes pretty good fun of the, yeah. them calling it a city, but <laughs> it is for them a city. So the people in the city are most likely wearing clothes that were bought at shops, as opposed to our boys uh, are most likely wearing clothes that were either made by other people in the village or bought off peddlers and things yeah. like that. So yeah. it took, maybe look a little more homespun, I guess, is the way I'd put it. They're not exactly the fashionable elite. <laughs> rolling it's not, it's not clean here. cut, you know. I, I liked I liked how Perrin uh, was like, you know what, like you, you know what I'm talking about. Like they were they were they were describing the town, and he's like he's like he's like, well, you know, Wine Springs is really nice or something like that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> at least we have a little bit of loyalty here. Yeah, and then the other two boys have to rib him about it because they're like, yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, I, I really like Perrin, though, especially in these chapters. Yes. You know, I really think uh, I was thinking about this. We do kind of get 
you know, a little bit more about each one of their personalities, just in their reaction to the city. You know, Rand is, you know, he's curious, but he's also cautious. Uh, and then maybe not cautious, but, you know, he, he's not, you know, take Matt, for example. Matt gets out there and, you know, thinks nothing of causing mischief. We'll talk about that in a minute. You know, then Rand, he's he wants to go out there and see things and, you know, get involved in what's going on. And then you got Perrin, who in, you know, other circumstances notwithstanding, just kind of wants to hang back and, you know, isn't all of a sudden as excited about seeing the city as the other two. And I think that just speaks to their personalities for sure. It's a neat little balance because you had to have Perrin and Matt at the two extremes and Rand kind of towing the middle. Right. But then right. as circumstances build, he kind of sways more in Matt's direction. Yeah. Uh. yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we'll, I definitely we'll get into that. We'll, we have to get into that. I definitely love that. Uh, the, the quote, I think it's in chapter, I think, yeah, it's in chapter 15 uh, where Rand is, I guess, kind of, he's, he's deciding on whether or not to take his sword with him. He notices that, that Lan uh, took his with him. Of course, Lan has his sword with him wherever he goes. But I love the quote, you know, telling himself it was not because he had often daydreamed about walking the streets of a real city wearing a sword. He belted it on and tossed his cloak over his shoulder like a sack. It's like he's, you know, that's really what's going on is like this is his dream come true. But he's kind of I, I, to, I identified to, with him at that moment. Yeah, he's, trying I, I to identified. Con, he's trying to convince himself. No, that's not why I'm doing it. But it's not working. He knows very well that this is his dream come true. Maybe there's a little touch in there, too, of. You know, it is the safer option, but uh, I think 90, 90 to 95% of it is this is his dream come true. No, when he flipped his cloak over his shoulder, I, I, it's like I, I, I flicked it with him. You know, I didn't have a cloak on, but I flicked it with him. <laughs> <laughs> I felt that too. I didn't, I didn't even judge him right there. I was like, I, I would do the same thing. But, but please, let's talk about, let's, let's talk about uh, people's ability to keep their mouth shut follow directions oh my goodness matt i you know i started i felt like throwing the book i felt so frustrated like we can't even go we can't even go like what two hours one hour without just keeping our mouth shut land makes things very clear well what's 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 crazy to that you know, you know rant, matt or land i'll get characters names right in a minute land right. is very clear don't talk about trollocs you know how you just you spoke know. right now Whenever I'm reading Lan, that's exactly how I picture him speaking. And I, mean, I feel that, like it's quite clear. It's quite clear. And he says it like twice, three times. Like, you know, everything he says, he keeps on repeating. Well, with, with, with these, well, mainly two, you know, Perrin actually does pretty good of doing what he's told. But with oh, absolutely. Matt and Rand, he kind of has to repeat himself over and over again. Rand, sh and Rand shocked me. He, he really did shock me. I, I No, sorry, not Rand. Yeah, Rand shocked me. He, he, it kind of came out of nowhere. I thought he was also really good at following directions, but... <sighs> well, you know, I remember, just... he was also told not to tell anybody about what was going on back in Emmons Field, but he sat there and had a long conversation <sighs> with Tam about it, so... Uh, that you know, one's I, different, though. Yeah. I mean, Tam's over here. He did his little Zorro thing with a sword. I would have told Tam that I'm heading out into town, too. You know, yeah. it's just... <laughs> I would have told Tam too. It's different, yeah. but this but, but, one, you know, oh, man, I was so frustrated. Definitely not surprised at Matt it, when they're when they're in the, you know, in the bathtubs, and he's like, "Oh well, I can tell you about Trollocs," and, and they're trying and, to, and he's looking at him. Look, what do you what do you guys mean? Like, huh? <laughs> like, like, why are they shutting me off? <laughs> and I love how Land like runs into like how it's like he has a sixth sense. A fifth yeah. sense. I, I, you know, normal in. people have a fifth sense. He had a sixth one, and he just yeah. ran in there. Just, just at the right moment, he knew what was going down. If he could, yeah. if he could pummel those boys, he would have done it a long time ago. And I don't well, know why he hasn't. I don't know why he hasn't laid his hands on them yet. Well, I think we get, and it's an interesting little thing that happens here with Land is we have the second threat to these boys. So in the last episode, we talked about how Moraine threatened that yeah, yeah, she before <laughs> she let them. Uh, go and the dark one get them that she would destroy them herself and now we have land telling them i'm gonna do my best to make sure you make it safely to tarvalin because that's what moraine wants but if you do anything to endanger her <laughs> you're done that kind of <laughs> came out of nowhere didn't it <laughs> everyone's minding their own business enjoying the tub I, I swear that came out of nowhere and <laughs> it's like and if you hurt moraine 
Like yeah, it's I, like, we're done. I was like, oh, it's, okay. It's like he's been had this thought just boiling up in him since they met in the two rivers, <laughs> and he's finally had enough, and he's just like, no, listen, <laughs> no. Land lost himself there. He he really did. He lost his composure. He's he's at <laughs> he's at the end of his rope. With <laughs> no, he was there. Like it, the the rope was done. The rope had <laughs> been done. <laughs> no, that one came out of nowhere. I started laughing. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> like, where did this come from? He's he was irritated for sure. But um, gosh, uh, Rand, you Rand, you know, I've been rooting for you since we were, you know, since Raven, since we were, you know, over here sharing sheep, and. <sighs> All respect went out the window. Like, man, you really disappointed me here. I was happy to see. We had a moment of silence. What was it, last episode or the first episode? I think it was last episode where, you know, the Trollocs... When did the Trollocs come into town? Uh, I think it was last episode. That was two or three episodes ago. Episode three, I think it was. Chapter chapter five. We had, you know, we had our moment of silence, you know, Pat and Fane. I was also shocked to see him there. He's back. <laughs> he's back. He's back. He's alive. He's alive. He's not well, yeah, but he is alive. Yeah, he's definitely, and, and, you know, definitely something, something not right. Oh, oh, hey. Oh, hey, you're alive. Fane, Pen and Fane. He's like shouting <laughs> out. And I'm like, okay, good. He ran away. And he chases after him. He actually chases then, after this man. And then, and then what does he do? I know they're down, you know, in an alley somewhere, but they're still in the middle of the city. And what does Rand start talking about? Oh, hey, guys. Yeah, Moraine's over here and we could eat with Moraine and everybody else is over there. And guess what? There were Trollocs and Edmund's exactly. field and Edmund's field. Oh, hey, let me let me like let me think about telling him about my dream. Like what um, else, Rand? What else? And I keep on. I, I don't know how old they are. It's like I, I really I'm having a hard time gauging it because I don't think they're children. You still trying to figure that one out, huh? I'm still trying to figure, but you know what? <laughs> Rand is really tall. So yeah. there's that too. Yeah. But yeah, that was, you know, that was an interesting moment when you find out, well, Padden Fane's not dead. That was, um, he, he definitely they really threw that out at us though, didn't they? You know, he definitely it seems to be worse for wear. Uh, I, I was concerned some things, though. You know, and, and some of the things he was saying seemed a little bit off as well. Exactly. That, you know, something something's not right there. But, you know, as far as, uh, you know, all we know right now, though, is, you know, he didn't end up in a trollic cookpot. So he sounds like him. a spy to me. Oh, really? He sounds he sounds like a spy because um, what really got to me is, is his insistence of make sure you don't tell Moraine that I was here, but he's yeah. going to come by. But don't tell her I'm here. But you guys are staying over there. Right. But don't tell her. But I'll come by. But just to be sure, you guys are staying at the, you know, at that inn. Right. You know, I'm like, I'm like, that's that's a that's a that's that's spy talk right there. And Rand, I I, I want to kind of discuss this. Um, everyone, like you know, Matt and Rand and everyone on that street, it felt like everyone was under a spell of some sort. How so? Like Rand in particular, you know, I, I like I said, I was irritated that he was talking so much, but it felt like. He was uh, even Matt. Matt seemed so different when he ran into Rand. He it seemed like it seemed like he was a completely different person. Like he was possessed by someone else. He didn't sound like the typical Matt, the happy-go-lucky guy. He seemed first off, he seemed like a city boy. Suddenly, you know what I mean? Like oh, he doesn't want to get his cloak dirty, and oh, like you you just ran into me. You know what I mean? And then Rand, he was too talkative. Like, it seemed like he couldn't remember that he's not supposed to be talkative. Yeah, Rand does kind of act a little odd here. You know, he does talk about, I, I wonder if maybe he has like a migraine or something because he, I, he's he got that know. horrible headache and uh, just isn't quite acting himself. Yeah. No, and, I feel and, like and, it's, well, it's weird. And, 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 you know, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but we, we know that his dream by this point, because he's already had the dream, is definitely weighing on him um is it even fact- a dream guys i mean come on well, well, we, we've always we'll, we've all read harry potter we'll, we'll we'll come to that uh we're not we're not quite there yet but oh yeah know, but, yeah but oh yeah ahead to, of myself just to, just to get in rand's headspace right here you know that that definitely i think has to be bothering him as well and that may be contributing to things and i mean you know we find out too that all of them have had it so yeah they're all you know kind of in a different headspace with everything going on not to mention that you know, they just spent a week on the road after seeing their village, you know, decimated by Trollocs and being chased by Trollocs, Murdral, Drakkar, and, you know, 
who knows what else for about a week. So. And, and now you have to be scared of, of the children, you know, um, what is it? Not children of the light. Yeah. yeah is it children, children of, of the, the light, light? The white cloaks. Yeah. Now you, now you have to be terrified of children of the like, and then the dark friends and it's a lot going on, but I don't know the, I don't know. The migraine still kind of threw me off. It made it seem like he was, I don't know, like under a spell. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, <laughs> what's uh you mentioned uh, the white cloaks yeah what do you uh, think about these guys oh they're so obnoxious I, you know what they remind me of uh safety patrols you know when when you first <laughs> <laughs> you know how you know how when you first get your when you first speak well, actually, actually you know when people first get their safety patrol belt and they start acting so obnoxious like hey stop running in the hall they start standing a little too tall um, that's what they remind me of. I I despise white cloaks. I, the I, white I, cloaks. I honestly do. They they, in my opinion, they are the worst. I'm telling you, they're the safety patrols of the wheel of time. Like yeah, I, mind I, your own business. I, I think it. I think it goes even further to that. They come up to. They come off to me as as misguided religious zealots because you know they're always oh, talking yeah. about walk in the light and and, and you know. And this is, you know, coming from from someone who is in the ministry. I, I cannot stand these, you know, misguided individuals who have this sense that their piety gives them the right to interfere in everybody else's lives and, you know, tell them all of these things. And even, you know, what these guys are doing, it's almost like, you know, an inquisition, the things that we hear that they do to get answers from people. Uh, really, these these guys are just the worst. Absolutely, yeah, the worst. The, the questioners, the the basically the high inquisitors of the children yeah. of the light. I want to point out that Justin would be taken. I would if be you, taken. If, oh yeah, that kind of oh. attitude towards the light, like towards the children of the light. Sorry, are you a dark friend? Well, you know what? That's probably true, but <laughs> I, I might also, you know, but really. If you if you look at, you know, seems like everybody we've meet kind of feels the same way about them, but they're smart enough not to say it or or yeah. maybe maybe scared enough not to say it. And if I were in their shoes, I probably wouldn't say it either. But since I'm oh, absolutely here, I'm sitting here at a computer, not beside a fire in Barillon with white cloaks all around. I feel OK to say that. And, yeah, and how brings, about go ahead. Go ahead. It brings up a point of just exactly who the white cloaks are, because you basically we're seeing like three, I think it's four that are in yeah. the city that are in this little encounter, but they have an entire encampment outside the city. Right. So we're looking at these aren't just, you know, uh, rinky dink little dudes. These are guys no. in shining breastplates yeah. with with good swords trained. So we're looking at basically an army of religious wackadoos yeah uh who you know obviously one or two people is not something to be worried about but the governor's having issues with these people because basically it's a free roaming army that's set up shop outside of the city it's <laughs> it's kind of like take every all the awful things you've ever heard about the crusaders yep uh, and 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 that's the white cloaks it's so uh, odd. It's, I, I didn't realize until, until that chapter how many of them there were. Like, I didn't know yeah. that the group was so huge. And yeah. also, I found it very odd that they overpower, like, the government. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the governor, like, the actual town. Well, Because they're not, they're not from, you know, Berlin. They're just, they're just there. The White Cloaks, just to give you a little frame of reference, um, this doesn't really spoil anything, but the White Cloaks are a large organization um, that uh. it is active in pretty much all the countries of the world. They're basically like a free free company. They do what they want. They move where they want. The, the kings and queens of different uh, countries have to deal with them. And they actually have an entire country, the, uh, the nation of Amador, that basically is like host to this entire like military order, basically. Oh, um, it's so weird. Yeah. It's so, like military order slash cult. Yes. Uh, and they have no real jurisdiction. Like they have no real power in uh, the country that they're in right now, but they can cause enough trouble that most of the time the governments try and 
tiptoe around them because it, they can cause a lot of problems. Stirring so, up so, riots. So, and... so they, they have power, just no official power. Yes. They oh, have lots of power, just not yeah. given power. Right, right. And and Telling how about, you, you know, you know I, especially when encountering the White Cloaks, Matt is an idiot. Huh. Like why? Why? Because because why? it's Matt. I'm like because I'm it's... like why? They said to just be discreet. They even changed. Land took off his colorful cloak. <laughs> he took his cloak off for this. Well, this oh, is this this oh, is the same man. this is the same kid who a week ago his idea of fun was releasing a badger, and even later in the chat in in, <sighs> the, in what we're reading he even mentions I wonder whatever happened with that badger. So you know he's still. It's only been about a week, and even you know maybe Rand has grown up a little bit. Matt definitely seems like he hasn't really grown up any. But I what a what a foolish thing to to pick a fight with the White Cloaks like he did. I think it, you're actually seeing a little though. of the real Matt come out here because he's finally shrugging off kind of the shock of everything that's happened, and so this is your first real glance at like who. Do you Matt think that was really the reasoning is. behind his like? personality change temporary personality change because this is the old matt coming back yeah. um but man that killed me i was oh man and let me tell you i'm not the most uh i'm not i'm not you know much of a role follower but this really irritated me like we're, well, we're we he told us to do one thing and he also told us that if we put moraine in danger he is going to like <laughs> he, he ruined our bath over this and oh man also have matt here and this speaks to kind of matt's character he doesn't the reason he wants to do what he does the reason he wants to pull this prank is because he wants to take these pretentious white cloaks down a peg like he sees these people that are putting on airs that are making trouble for the average people around there like people are darting out of their way to not bother them on the street and stuff and so he takes it upon himself to teach him a lesson basically oh so I, I think that's when i look at it that's what i see anyways oh and, that's a good way to look at it actually and, you know i can't blame him for that it doesn't mean it was the smart thing to do oh no but stupid, i can't bl- stupid thing to do <laughs> but i can't i can't blame him for it i like I, when I, you, I, when wanna, I didn't i didn't I think probably, of it like that i would probably want to do the same thing yeah um when i when when uh when you tell that perspective it actually like i i'm less irritated now that actually is a is a pretty good idea Oh, I'm it's still not going to ir- help the situation, but it's really good. I'm still irritated, but I understand why you did I know. It. <laughs> and can we also bring up the point that if Matt did what he did, it would have been fine if it hadn't been for Rand. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Matt was already gone. No, nowhere to be seen. It would have looked like it was just an accident like Matt planned if Rand hadn't been standing there like a dumbstruck ox <laughs> when they start to get up <laughs> it's like tweedledee and, and tweedledum and, they can and, never be alone together n- not just standing there but laughing about it yeah and he also was just it's like he was overcome with something that's why i'm saying i feel like he was under a spell of some sort yeah because he does act a little weird here doesn't he i mean you could even see it like he's saying that this warmth is coming through his body He's even internally saying, why am I doing this? Like, what am I doing? It's like yeah. his, he didn't have control over himself. I still, and I it wonder. was too many weird things at the same time between um, between Pat and Fane coming, Matt, I don't know, Matt acting the way he was and speaking the way he was. And then now you have Rand acting weird. It's kind of like they were puppets in my mind anyway. I, I still wonder, though, if it, how much of that isn't just the kind of the situation they're in and, you know, also, the excitement of being in the quote big city for the first time. I think there's a lot of that going on uh, as well. But um, any anything else on on the big city? Oh, the big we, city is it's, that, it's think, all right. I think we need only, to move on. Only thing I would maybe mention is uh, what did y'all think of uh, the White Cloak's reaction to Rand's sword? It was kind of the, his sword. This is not the first time it's attracted attention. You know what I mean? Um, so I was concerned. I was I was actually worried that they were going to take him in. I don't know where they're going to take him to, but it just seemed I was I was worried that they were going to like it seemed like it was an identifier of some sort. I mean, we know what the sword means, but I'm like, does it mean more? 
um, the reaction was kind of weird. Not weird to me, but it was concerning. Yeah, it's just, one of a kind. You don't see clearly. You don't see the sword everywhere. So now here's another thing attracting their attention. Yeah, they definitely recognized there was something off or different. Yeah. about what they I were just, seeing. I just love Rand's little like they're coming up asking him, "Are you the one who did this?" And Rand just like hmm. almost in a jovial tone is like, "Accidents happen. <laughs> the children of the light." <laughs> I supported him messing with them, but you know, this is not the time. There's a time and a place. So, all right. Um, let's talk about this because it, it comes up next. Um, Rand had a little run in before he made his way out into the city. Um, what did y'all think about this and the introduction of men? New favorite character. Uh. <laughs> you know it changes every episode you know i i had i had actually written down in my notes that you know as i came to this chapter obviously you know having read more of the series um you know men has long been one of my favorite characters uh, i've always found her you know fascinating and, and genuine these, right these visions that she has are you know just remarkable something something very very strange going on uh, with that um what did, and, what did they call her what is it uh it's um a number soothsayer what is she called again oh well matt refers to her as a soothsayer soothsayer um, okay. what moraine says she does is uh she sees pieces of the pattern yeah glimpses i like of the that pattern. I like that we're not getting i like that she sees pieces of the pattern but doesn't tell us everything that was really exciting to me because you're kind of trying to decipher what she's talking about. And, you know, my favorite thing was that her saying that, you know, I see that you guys are in love with each other, but you're not going to get together. And I love that. I, think <laughs> I like that Egwin and Rand are not meant for each other. So you pulled that one out there. So that's your opinion on what she's saying about that, that they're not meant to be together. You have any opinion on any of the other things she says? <laughs> I think that's funny that that was the that was the first thing that caught my eye. She makes it sound, it's, it's so weird when she's talking to Rand because he's like, so what about me? It just mm. sounds like he's going to die a terrible death. <laughs> but I, uh, but man, um, the fact that he's attracting lightning, but also giving it off. When you guys, re when you guys watch and like these kind of like uh, uh, anime cartoons, when you're reading epic fantasies, it sounds like that moment where they where they basically um, come together with their power or something. You know what I mean? When the power awakens, and that's what I that's what I interpreted from that. Hmm. Very interesting. I think it's so funny because I'm the only one who has not read this book, and I'm over here like, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like uh, tell me, tell me more. So I'm well, like, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to draw spoilers out of you guys, and it, you got. I, I have to say kudos. Well, <laughs> I'm, trying to get can, it, I'm trying to accidentally get it out of you and it still has not worked. You can feel a little bit better because I will say this. I can't say much about these without being any spoilers, but <laughs> even Justin doesn't know all of these yet. Yeah. Uh, we, we, so, we'll, 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 we'll say this much. Just pay careful attention to the things that men sees. Yep. Which I'm sure you're already doing that, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have to go maybe, back again. Maybe go back and take some notes, and um, yeah, for sure, pay attention to those things. But I mean, and, and you know, it's so it's what makes it so interesting is just to think about where where things could be headed, just from you know what we see here alone. I like that she's. I like I was telling you. I like that she's genuine though. Like she's like, no, that's Moraine. She's Aes Sedai. Like, yep. <laughs> like you know, I like that she's straightforward. And yeah. it was interesting to hear that everyone is tied together. You say, like, how, confirmed. How about the fact that she knows who Moraine is? Like when I was when I was reading, it didn't even register until you know something you know said something about Rand's reaction to her saying that, and you know it didn't even register to me that she oh she just said Moraine's actual name. She didn't use the 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 fake name Mistress Alice or anything like that. Yeah, Rand actually freaks out for a minute. He's like, "I don't know any Moraine. Who yeah. is this Moraine you talk about?" The one the one time he's actually being discreet. <laughs> he actually got the it right that time. The one person he needed to be discreet with. Oh, my goodness. So, what do you think about how they kind of lead their little conversation here? He's asking about uh 
dreams and things like that. And he, he says, uh, do you see anything about rats or dreams? Oh, that says, was weird. Rats? No, no rats. As for dreams, maybe it's your idea of a dream, but I never thought it was mine. And then he uh, makes excuses about having to go. And she says, run if you want. You can't escape from me. I like that. Uh, oh, that oh, oh, so what, when I, when I, when she said that, I was like, huh. I, I was thinking, oh, please, please, please do not become another love interest. Well, that was it, the only, that was the Rand, only thing. Rand relate gets freaked out by it because it's exactly the same uh, thing that the person in the dream said to him the night before. Oh yeah. man, that's that, uh, that as well. But for me, I guess I got stuck on the, I fell into the, I fell into kind of like the, I always try to avoid the love triangle or whatever in the book, but it's like I'm, I keep on trying to just spot it before it kind of hits me. Uh, so I feel like I kind of just fell into that story of like, oh, yeah, they're not going to be together with Egwene. And you're saying, run, run, no matter what, you can't escape me. And all I'm thinking is, oh, no, they're going to get married. So, yeah, I, I definitely went left field with that one. So I'm glad you guys <laughs> bring me back down to earth. <laughs> all right. Well, do you have anything else about these uh, visions? Anything I definitely need to go and uh, really read it and take notes on it because her visions, even though it's like, I feel like that's the closest to a spoiler I can get without going on Reddit or reading Wiki and whatnot. So I need to go and like really dig deep into her visions. <laughs> She's yeah. the man is the in-universe spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so do but, this. But but uh, you, you won't know it until until it happens. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, Let's do this then. Michelle, keep a note of these visions. And as we go throughout the series, if you notice any of them coming true, I want you to call us back to it. Oh, and if yeah. If you don't, then I will bring your attention to it. Oh, absolutely. But I want to see how many of them you catch when they do come, if they come apart. Because she says these are the things she sees. It doesn't necessarily mean that what she sees will happen. These are just visions who knows what will change and what can be altered. She uh, keeps on mentioning the white tower. Yep. Yeah. It was interesting that she saw the white tower around Tom and she even, yeah, that, that, on, that threw me off. She even comments on how strange that is to see that around the man. So, uh, yeah. you know, it'd be interesting to learn more of what's going on there. Oh, she said it doesn't make any sense at all for a man. Yeah. Huh. Well, because normally, okay. normally only women go to the white tower. So, yeah. Huh. She okay. Usually, it's a the white tower is a symbol she usually sees when she looks at people like Moraine that are Aes yeah. So it it's very odd that it would be by Tom. But bringing <laughs> it back, wasn't um didn't Rand have a dream about entering the white tower? Uh, yes, because that's he where did, they're going. Yeah. That's yeah. Their, okay. their plan right now is to go to Tarvalin, which is where the white tower is. Oh wow. Okay. I uh, thought it was. I'm always thinking like just the dream. So the what in the dream they they do go to the White Tower. Uh, the White Tower is basically like think of it as the uh, the stronghold of the Aes Sedai. It's I in like the middle of the stronghold. city of Tarvalin. Yeah, it is a massive white stone tower, and I'm we're talking like bigger than anything you would see like in a normal modern construction right now kind of thing. Like I not truly necessarily hope height, that I... but in size. I wonder how they came up with the name. <laughs> the White Tower. I really hope the Aes Sedai aren't like decimated. That is one thing I'm scared of. But, you know, I, I guess it's building back up. Worst case scenario. Well, we, we mentioned... I feel like this, this is like the ongoing rumor that Aes Sedai have been decimated. I'm like, uh, why? Wow. <laughs> Where is this coming from? Like, stop. Oh, you, now you're making reference to the Aes Sedai that went to go uh, capture Logang. No, uh, well, okay. I guess it, it's, it's the very beginning, I believe, with the, with the guy that's at the guard tower. I, I believe yep. he's the first person that mentioned. And then also, like, also, um, remember Lan went into, like, the common area or something, and I think that's the second time that it was mentioned that the Aes Sedai got um, decimated. And then it was, like, Logang. Yeah. Um, so other than that, yeah. That's specifically referencing a small group of Aes Sedai that were sent to go handle Logan. Okay. Yeah. So that's not the Aes Sedai in, as a global body. That is a group of Aes Sedai. Um, probably of a particular Aja, but 
We don't know what odds are yet. I think we've heard of one. Oh yeah. Well, we know we know that we know that they. I I do know what an Aja is at least for a little bit. So uh, hold on, we call it like a group, right? I do know that they get rid of like male Isodai who have gone who have gone who are a little bit crazy. They're they're born into it. We were previously introduced to the Red Aja. Red Aja, there we go. Whose whose goal is basically it, it was explained as making sure that uh there's not another breaking of the world and the way they do that is by tracking down men who can channel and disposing of them in one way or another making sure that they can't cause that so we have we have been introduced to that concept uh previously okay so but we don't really know anything about any of the others it's just the reds that that have been uh mentioned specifically yeah but we might learn more about that in the future so we mentioned uh previously we we mentioned the dream and Mm -hmm. dude if this dream wasn't all kinds of messed up uh just the things and and we could probably spend the rest of our time uh just talking about the dream but uh it was just all it was just so you know, it was disturbing. It was kind of like, you know, I, I think I mentioned, you know, the first one, the first dream that we talked about either last episode or the episode before that. Um, oh, what was I going to say? I've, I've been lost my train of thought, but no, no, that I was, you know, kind of feeling, you know, with Rand, his dread and definitely feeling that again here. And even worse when he wakes up in the morning, uh, it's just awful. This one, I feel like the first dream gave us a little bit of a taste. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It was more something that we could interpret. But this dream, I mean, this was directly um, the dark one was targeting him. You know, and uh, I, I mentioned earlier Harry Potter. Um, this was, um, what is it, Order of the Phoenix, I believe, or maybe even the last book. No, the, yeah, the Order of the Phoenix or Half-Blood Prince something where... Um, we thought he was having dreams, you know what yeah. I mean? But yeah. really it was just, it was, it was Voldemort entering, like basically controlling his thoughts. And, okay. and sometimes when, when Voldemort has like high, uh, you know, when he, when he's really emotional, um, Harry would see what he's seeing as well. And this is what um, it initially reminded me of. It's like, um, it's like he, you know, until, until the dark one started speaking to him, like when he was just looking at the fire and he saw like the, you know, he saw the stones and the fire and everything and, and the goblet and whatnot. I thought that um, it was basically him entering someone else's mind or, some, you know, him seeing someone else's vision until the dark one started speaking with him. But it did seem like uh, this is all happening in real time. Like, is this really a dream? And he asked the same question, but it didn't feel like a dream to me. Um, I don't know. It's so weird. It's like you're... Um, Anyway, I guess I'm off. The, I'm also rereading Stormlight Archive, um, and you know, at one point, um, what's his name? But anyway, oh, he can he can yeah. talk to other people. He can talk to um, he can uh, talk to other people through dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's what this kind of reminded me of. Okay, so because it does feel very real for a dream, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Especially when we get to this part with the rats and then yeah. when they wake up finding that there are dead rats with their backs broken all over the of end. them, uh, you know, and, yeah. and that's, that's something curious too. There, there were, you know, we know that the three boys had the dream and we're assuming that Baalzaman killed one rat in each dream. I, I, I would think. So where did the other nine come from? <laughs> he was trying to prove a point. So when it, when he initially did that in the dream, I was like, what is he even doing? Because he was saying he, he did that to prove that he can control things. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> oh, man, or, that's or, a really good point, though. Like, where did the or, other or rats they, come from? Or were the other nine just there to, you know, freak the boys out in the morning? To, you I know, feel like so. it's just a, it's just to prove to the boys because, uh, you know, they that, wouldn't if it was only three rats, the yeah. innkeepers would not mention it. Yeah. But 12, it's like he's already walking into a conversation. That, you know what I mean? That it's it's a little bit more than a dream. It's just well, to let you know, like, this is not a coincidence. It also mentions uh, that Rand, once he 
once that nightmare ended, he continued to dream, but the only one he remembered vividly was the first one, but he continued to have nightmares. That's a good point. He may have had the same encounter happening multiple times throughout the night. Hmm. We're just, he only recalls clearly the first one. Yeah. So, you know what was odd to me? Um, the fact that during the dream, it's like he can tell, like, oh, something is weird here. Like, this does not feel like a dream or whatever. But he couldn't, it's like anytime he tried to remember like reality, it kept on slipping his mind. Yeah, it was interesting. So, and then on the flip side in the street, anytime he tried to, I feel like anytime he tried to remember like the rules and everything, it kept on slipping his mind too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So who do we think this is, Michelle? The who, the man that's speaking to him? To him? Uh, I feel like he's the man that, uh, remember Dragon, Dragon Mount? I think that's the name of the, the, um, the chapter. When he said that he watched, um, gosh, I have, to, I have to start writing down this Lu- list of names. You, you Lu- know who Lu- I'm talking Theron. about. Luce Theron. Yeah, you know, when he, when, he, when he described that he watched Luce Theron, like he, he gave him back his memory just so that he can remember that he killed his wife and children. And that he just basically kind of exploded. Um, it made me. I, I feel like that's who he's speaking to. Like he might be. He might be talking, you know, on behalf of the Dark One or, or whatever. But I, I think that's exactly who um, Rand is speaking to. So you think he's talking to Elon? Yes. Okay. Oh no! Did he? Oh no! Did he mention Elon though? Ah, I feel like I just discredited myself. Because he he went off a list of different people that had been used. No, Ron is not on that list. No, he's, he's okay. Not on okay, that good. List. No, okay, good. Okay, no. good. Then I, I go back to my original theory. Then, like, yeah. yes, that's who he's talking to. But I, I do think the point is made that the name Baalzaman is typically associated with the Dark One. Yes, yep. like it's a it's a alternate name for the Dark One or something like that. It means heart of the dark. Yeah. Oh, okay. It just sounded like definitely, a dragon to me. You know what I mean? It's a really something. good dragon name. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a really good dragon name. <laughs> By Alzaman. <laughs> Sir, that's for sure. That's for sure. You know, I was kind of curious about uh, this thing that he said about Rand's parents. Um, I just want to, yes. I'll read the quote because it, it really stood out to me. He said, your father was chosen by the White Tower, like a stallion roped and led to his business. Your mother was no more than a broodmare to their plans. And those plans lead to your death. It's almost like he's trying to, you know, the way I understood that is like he was trying to uh, whatever Rand is wrapped up in. uh, Balzaman's trying to put it in Rand's head that it was all a scheme of the White Tower from the beginning. And who's to say it wasn't? We have no indication that it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt about it too, Stephen. Like, I like I, I don't know what's true and what's not true with this dream because clearly he's being manipulated. Very much. He so. just wants him to drink from the goblet. And then my question was, what is in this goblet? <laughs> Could be any number of things. We're I know. Really I, uh, all I know is he's thirsty. Like, just take a drink. So, did either of y'all catch on uh, right before that section that you were talking about, Justin? Yeah. where he talks about Rand's parentage and whatnot. Um, did any of y'all catch on when Beelzeman is looking at him and says, are you the one? Yes. You cannot yes. hide it from me forever. You cannot hide yourself from me, not Absolutely. on the highest mountain or in the deepest cave. So the dark one is looking for someone, but he doesn't know who it is. We know he, the other, we now know after the stream that Matt, Rand, and Perrin all had the same dream. So he's looking, but he doesn't know which one of them it is, just like we don't know. Right. But it seems so like, like... It's like cloaking or something. Like, I don't know. The, the fact that it's three of them on this trip, I feel like Moraine knows that it can't be all three. Um, I feel like Perrin and Matt are kind of like cloaking Rand. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, he doesn't know who... I feel like that's why the Dark One does not know who is the one. Do you think... Do you think he knows that it's one of them, though? Or is he, you know, just still trying to figure out, you know, it could be any of them or could it be somebody else, not even one of those three? What do you think? I would have thought that he thinks it's one of them until 
until you made that comment about the rats and you know whether or not it was like nine other but then but then that wouldn't make sense because um that means that other boys are staying at the end so that i guess that's the only thing i was thinking um i do think that he thinks it's one of them because they all came from edmund's field or sorry two rivers um or you know edmund's field i guess yeah. and yeah. i feel like that's a very special specific area i mean look at Egwene. And we also made the, the specific point in very early on that the whole thing with the two rivers was not an impromptu attack. This has been no. at least probably about a decade in the planning when you take into account the Ravens prologue and the spies that were there when they, they were still kids. That's, yeah, that's true. The Ravens were already watching them. Yeah. Even so back then. He's he's narrowed it down to these three boys out of, you know, and even at the beginning of the book, he's only narrowed it down to, you know, a handful. And then it's like, now it's gotten smaller and it's just these three and he's looking for one. And let's not forget that Moraine was also attracted to Edmund's field too. Like something's, I feel like there's some kind of aura happening over there and they just know like whatever is going on, it has, when she explained the story of Edmund's field, that also kind of solidified that for me. This is a very special area. So and, um, but, but I guess, of, I guess the dreams aren't part of it though. Um, just because he's, he's using the dreams to talk to them. So speaking of Edmund's field, um, huh. we have another little, uh, reunion happen here in this, this set of chapters. Uh, we got Pat back from the dead and then lo and behold, uh, the wisdom has shown up. This is too many characters now. It's like everyone, this is like, it's like we haven't even been gone a week. Like everyone, why are we all at Berlin? <laughs> but I understand. Uh, but yeah, she really came out of nowhere for me. I was not expecting that. Yeah, yeah, that, that I, I remember the first time reading this, how that, that was a, such a surprise when she, when she just shows up out of the blue. Apparently, I love it though. Apparently <laughs> tracking land across leagues from, Emmons Field to Bearlawn, uh, something that uh, was impressive. Definitely, though. Yeah, no, nobody thought land could be tracked. That they, you know, even mentions how, you know, even some of the best trackers that he knows could have never followed that trail. Yeah, but apparently, and what does Nynaeve, that tell you? Nynaeve I, I, has the ability. That what does that tell you? She's not your average person either. I found that impressive. Like land of all people. Yeah, I think Land finds it impressive. <laughs> I mean, he's he's going to be thinking about this forever now. Like he almost that he put Moraine in danger because he was tracked. He's going to be thinking about this forever. Um, well, I don't but, think I don't think it's that he did anything wrong. It's just oh that no Nynaeve, no not at all. No, he he did an excellent job. You know, Nynaeve even mentions that you know there was very little trace, but she is such a good tracker. Uh, because her father taught her uh, that she was able to follow it. I, it's just, it's so impressive. And then, and then let's not forget that Moraine also ad added her own kind of cloaking at that point too. And despite all of that, she'll still able to track them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what do you think of uh, Nynaeve and Moraine's uh, newfound relationship or uh, lack thereof? <laughs> I like it. You know what the issue? Well, you know what the issue is? It's the fact that Nynaeve is the one that you know the little kids are supposed to follow. She's it's not jealousy. It's more like you know I'm the person they're supposed to look up to. You know what I mean? And now here you guys are, I, I guess, following Moraine. Like she she's supposed to be their caretaker. I, I just, I, you know, I have to agree with, I forget who it was that said it, but feeling really sorry for Egwene having to sleep in the same room with those two. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was <laughs> bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's when you just go to sleep. Talk about. <laughs> there's nothing, there's uh, nothing to talk about. I mean, you want to talk about cutting tension with a knife. Um, yeah. And I'm sure. I, Sure, Nynaeve didn't take uh, didn't take but a second to realize that Egwene had unbraided her hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, that's so. So I guess I. <laughs> oh, she's just tucking it in, like no, Egwene. <laughs> it's too late. Nope, doesn't work. And then, then uh, you know the um, that night is that when scandalous. Uh, I think I think for two rivers women, it it kind of is. It you know so. 
it's basically in the two rivers that getting for a girl to get to braid her hair it basically is symbolizing that they're no longer a child that they're an adult because all the adult women braid their hair and so the rest of the world it's not really that way but that's a true two rivers tradition so Egwene has wanted her entire life to be old enough to braid her hair and then you know three days out of the two rivers she that braid she was so proud of finally getting she's undoing because she wants to be more like Moraine well <laughs> a, a braid a braid that she had just gotten by the way yeah <laughs> um, one week prior you know yeah. like she she does yeah. stop that braid yep I did I did find it kind of funny and I think it's Rand that that brings our attention to it about that that night when they're in the common room and, and Tom's playing and everybody's dancing that uh, Egwene had her hair uh, kind of tied up, not braided, but tied up kind of like uh, who, you know, unsure whether she wanted to please Moraine or Nynaeve. Yeah. And in all honesty, Moraine could care less about her hair. It's true. <laughs> no, no. She, she could have kept it braided for all, for all Moraine cared. Yeah. But she noticed Moraine notices everything. I think she does. Absolutely. I do think we get a, a nice little scene here with uh, Nynaeve and Rand out in the hallway after everyone else has left. Um, uh-huh. It's kind of that first instance of uh, Moraine actually talking to Rand like an yeah. adult uh, as opposed to a little kid. Yeah. And Rand even makes a point of noticing that. that and, yeah, and well, she mentions, you know, you've grown. And, and, you know, I love how Rand tries to brush it off. It's like, it's just been a week, but, you know, yeah. uh, you know, huge. I actually had this written down. Yeah. How much just, just a week of life-changing experiences can, you know, alter a person, you know, can change, maybe even completely change their outlook on everything. Yeah. So, by the way, um, while we're talking about the wisdom, you know, we get, confirmation of you know some of those fever dreams that that tam was having there's some truth there uh apparently rand was born outside of the two rivers and i know you know there were questions about that whether or not you know it was just the fever in in tam talking nonsense but we get the confirmation that no rand was not actually born in the two rivers so i think that's a big you know something definitely to keep in mind and take a note it of. It says a lot. Yeah. I don't know what it says, but it says a lot. Yeah. Definitely something worth watching out for. So everybody's having a good time. We're getting some dancing in. Uh, even Moraine is dancing, uh, which throws Rand off <laughs> really bad. I, you know, uh, I, I felt the awkwardness. with. Oh, Rand. yes. Oh, yep. my, oh yes. I, I feel I felt for the guy so bad. Um, not not yeah. only not only Moraine, but Nynaeve as well. Everybody. And, and, and these guys don't even, didn't even know that Nynaeve danced. And now it's they're dancing, much. they're dancing with her. Yep. And then sadly enough, our joyful time here is brought to a halting and startling uh, end as Rand is attacked on the way to get a glass of milk. <laughs> Like, like of all things, a glass of milk. It's like, you know, and, and the thing is, Moraine was like, you know what? We can stay here for a couple of nights and we'll leave like early the next morning. Yeah. They barely got one night of sleep. Rand is never going to drink milk again. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. So the Merdral attacks, Rand manages to escape because basically Land is coming. Uh, the merge roll decides to let him go, uh, because it's not, he's not there to apparently not there to kill him, he's there to capture him. They can't do that if land is coming, so uh, they saddle up and make to get out of town and get out of Dodge quick. Uh, but we run into a little bit of trouble at the gate. Uh, the white cloaks. This is, oh man, the white cloaks. Well, I guess, I guess before the white cloaks, you know, the gatekeeper was kind of hesitant because you don't open the gate at night. Yeah. Uh, but then the white cloaks show up and they just made everything worse. They yep. always, it's just the safety patrols. Like, because, just stay out of the way. Because Let them run down the hall. You say, that's what they do. White cloaks are the worst. They are the worst. But this is, 
this whole chapter, it's like, um, gosh, it just, it's a great series of scenes. I could, I could really picture this as a movie. Oh man, it just, it felt really good to read. I don't even know how to describe that. Just a really great, he always does that, uh, uh, Robert Jordan. You'll be sitting around, you know, sipping your milk and then out of no, nowhere, you're just slapped with action. He does that continuously, doesn't he? We've, we've seen, very good we've seen that a few times. Yeah, we have. And especially in these first several books, the pacing is really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what do you think about uh, Giant Moraine? <laughs> oh, my, that was so, it's so random, guys. Can we all agree on that? It is kind of random. Agree that, can we all agree that Giant Moraine is just, that's just so, I mean, come on. It is kind of random, <laughs> but it's, it's, also, it's also an image that sticks with you. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's one scene that, you know, even uh, reading this book for the first time so many years ago, that image of like a, I don't know what, 20 foot tall Moraine. I don't know if it actually said how tall she was, but I just picture her being like, she was huge. she's tall enough that she's able to, to step, step over, over the wall. The city wall. So, so <laughs> I 20, mean, guys, come on. 20, 30 feet tall Moraine, you know, that image sticks with you for sure. Uh, but, and, and, Oh man, she's just so impressive. She's really not someone you mess with, and she keeps on proving it in each chapter. Like, do not mess with Moraine. Say, and not to mention oh, she's that she's so impressive that apparently her her staff can uh, can can melt metal, melt, melt, melt <laughs> it's, it's steel, too much. and not uh, take a mark. <laughs> yeah, uh, the one power is pretty awesome. Yeah, because when you can fully she's... use it, it's it's so oh, it's so wild. Yeah, because yeah. like like uh, Egwene is all going on about that staff in just a little bit, and uh, Moraine has to remind her, yeah, it's just a staff. There's no magic to it. It's just That's a piece true. of wood. Yeah, the power I, is what's doing this. I, I, it's like I, she's just focusing. I, I guess I guess I misspoke. It wasn't Moraine's staff that could melt steel. It was the power um, yeah. through it. But the, to think about that, and um, you know, I'm pretty sure this has been mentioned that. You know, there were things that even the eyes to die of this time period had forgotten. So, yeah. you know, they're they're this powerful now. How powerful were they in the past? And also, how powerful is Egwene going to be? Mm. That that made me think of Egwene and her future. Uh, I mean, it was two things. I am really worried about Moraine because uh, Moraine and Egwene. I am worried about Moraine just because Lan has said that she's overextending herself. Um, but also, I'm I'm excited to see where Egwene goes with her power, just because we already know she's talented. So you're on the Egwene train, then, huh? No, no, no. I'm not on the Egwene train. Please, like, <laughs> don't put me there. <laughs> like, I'm not. I'm just I'm just making an observation. I am not on that train <laughs> until she can decide whether her hair should be braided or not. She's not gonna, like I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> All right. Um, so we've made it out of the city. Um, and before we end up this chapter and this couple of chapters we've been talking about tonight, uh, we are met with a confrontation at last. Hmm. Uh, so they're fleeing, they're running, and they just can't escape. Uh, they're pretty much trapped uh, between a rock and a hard place between two different groups of Trollocs um, and their hands are being forced. Uh, and Moraine and Land both make a point to wonder where all these Trollocs came from because this wouldn't be happening if they'd had all these Trollocs on winter night because now there are almost 500 Trollocs chasing them. Oh, so and out of in the I feel middle, like Pat and Fane um, is is significant. Really? Okay, you bring up Pat and Fane. What do you think is going on there? He he just seemed so nosy in the city, and now look at all of this that's happening. And he kept on trying to confirm where they were staying. So you think he's tied up in it somehow? I, I feel like he's a spy. You know what? You see, and that's why I can be a part of this party. Because I trust, uh, I'm, I'm just like Lan here. You're supposed to trust no one. Hey, I'm going to take the pause as I said something significant. <laughs> well, I was taking a drink of water, but. 
<laughs> I'm like, nope. <laughs> uh, no, no, uh, I agree with you on that. I mean, Lan, Lan is certainly, you know, I think he's, especially in, you know, such strange times, you gotta, you gotta be cautious for sure. These Trollocs, they just Trollocs everywhere. And I don't like the, the word Trolloc. It just, it just kind of sticks in your tongue. And then unfortunately it's just everywhere. Like you can't get away from saying Trolloc. It's it's it is an At unpleasant least it's term. Easier to say than Murdral. <sighs> Just I don't know. I, I'd rather say Murdral than than Trolloc. Something or about it. Drakar. Drakar. Okay, you're right. You're right. Drakar. <laughs> Trolloc. Murdral. There's nothing positive here. So, uh, Lan leads the men into battle. Uh, yep. Moraine uh, fighting with the power in some truly tremendous ways. But uh, what happens when our, our boys here ride down after Lan? Lan lets out his battle cry, and so the boys, uh, in <laughs> typical fashion, follow suit with their own things. Uh, Rand and Perrin just shouting out for Manetherin, this wondrous city and nation that they found out they might be related to. But then Matt starts talking gibberish. <laughs> I don't know why you are laughing. I think this is awesome. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) It's adorable. I love love the battle cries. I mean, it makes me want to charge into battle. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, but Matt's Matt's battle cry especially, and they even draw attention to it. Uh, All right, who wants to try to read it? (laughs) Karai on Kaldazar, Karai on Elisand, Al Elisand. For the honor of the Red Eagle, for the honor of the Rose of the Sun, the rose of the sun. I mean, I want to go fight now. Oh, me too. I'm so ready. <laughs> I'm so ready. And that's why I grabbed my cloak earlier that morning. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to charge. I'm ready to charge into battle. But where in the world did Matt get this from? Yeah, he's uh, speaking the old tongue, by yeah, the way. That's what that yeah. is. Uh, and this is the battle cry of King Amon. Right. Uh, of Amon. And the... The Rose of the Sun was his wife's moniker. Yeah. So basically, this is the fallen king of Manetherin's battle cry. And here it comes tumbling out of Matt's mouth. <laughs> and, and everyone's like, huh? <laughs> I like everyone's reaction. And even Matt's like, what did I just say? What did I yeah. say? <laughs> and it's also <laughs> neat because Egwene mentions it because she thinks... It was almost like I almost felt like I could understand it. And then Moraine is like intrigued by the two of them. At I guess that. they're reincarnated. I, I like these people. I, it's so I guess it's all it's, it's the pattern, guys. It's all in the pattern. Well, well, what was what was Moraine's explanation? The old blood runs deep or, or something like that. The old blood sings. The old blood sings. Yep. So they're definitely, you know, in some way channeling their ancestors. It's Edmund's field. Yeah. The wheel turns, the 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 eye of the world, the uh <laughs> it's kind of like the battle cry. I'm just I'm just shouting out nonsense. I guess the I have the old blood too. <laughs> so, uh they managed to survive the fight thanks to basically to Moraine, basically tearing up the countryside. It's uh, always Moraine. And then we are led to an interesting little place. Um we are led to Shadar Logoth. Shadar Logoth. And it's just random, right? It just popped up out of nowhere. Well, Lan had tried to convince Moraine to take them there earlier, and she was vehemently opposed. She would rather fight an army of Trollocs than go to this place. But they now, Here we are. They now have no choice. I mean, listen, though, she could go and fight the army of Trollocs if she wants to, though. So here we are. Oh, she! I think she already did fight the part. The uh, army yeah, she, of yeah, see, she, she so she fought the army of Trollocs, and she had to go there anyway. And I don't think they were heading towards that place. I feel like it just kind of happened. Well, they had to they had to cut off the road because of yeah uh, because of the Trollocs. But I don't think it's like you can go to whatever city you want. You're never going to be safe. Uh, I do have a side question: How far is I think it's called Saldia? Because people keep on mentioning the city called Saldia. How oh, far is that from oh, two rivers? It's oh. far to the north. Yeah, oh, wow. let's see. Okay. I can bring up the map. Here we go. We had a map at one time. So let's see here. Okay. If you're looking at your map uh, right now, 
you can actually see Berlon is on the map. So yes. you want to look. Say it in relation, I guess, to how far is it from. To... So look up from Berlon on your map. Yep. Almost to the top of the map. And you'll see oh, Maradon, and then right below it is Saldea. Oh, this world is so huge. A long way to go. Yep. It's a long way on horses. Yeah, that's where Saldea is. Uh, it's a, a good chunk of the world. <laughs> uh, it's basically like, uh, to put it in perspective, if we think of this as a landmass the size of like the United States, think of Berlon as like South Carolina and Saldea. Oh, my gosh. Saldea as New York State. Oh, you got to be kidding me. That, that, that's quite a distance. Yeah. Oh, man. By horse. Yeah. It's a good chunk of space. I think that's brought us to uh, the end of these chapters. Did y'all have any other thoughts or insights before we uh, wrap things up? It's um, just the amount of action that we're getting. It just keeps on the, the distance from, you know, our slow time to action. It's like, it's like a shortening. And I find that really exciting. I'm, I'm very excited for the next chapters. Me too. I, I, I can't, I can't wait for next week. It just keeps building and building. Yes, it does. <laughs> All right. Um, Michelle, any predictions going forward? I can't even make a prediction anymore. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> it's like, it always goes left. <laughs> but I really do hope like this is not even a prediction. I hope that men somehow joins the party like sooner rather than later. So the party's not big enough for you yet. You want more <laughs> I, no, I just need the one. You know what? If we can trade Egwene out and just put in men, I, I'd be good with that. And the nave is fine too, but I just we can trade them, we can trade those two out. Substitute Egwene. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. Oh yeah, I'd be okay with that too. All right. Justin, any final thoughts from you? Uh, nothing else from me. Just can't wait and All right. to get into this next week as well. All right, guys. Well, we will wrap things up uh, and we will uh, see everyone next week. Goodbye. Bye. Michelle here, and we wanted to thank you for joining us for this episode. New episodes are released every Tuesday. If you like what you hear, first subscribe so you won't miss our next episode. We would also love it if you could leave us a rating and review wherever you heard this podcast and help us get the word out to more potential listeners. You can also email us at thewindwasabeginning at gmail.com or interact with us on social media on Twitter at windbeginning, on Instagram at The Wind Was a Beginning. We're also on YouTube and Facebook at The Wind Was a Beginning, a Wheel of Time podcast. We hope you'll come and join us next Tuesday as we discuss chapters 19 through 22 of The Eye of the World. See you then.